Hi friends, Shugbury here with Women's Hot Topics. Boy, do we have a hot topic today. You know, sometimes people ask, where do you get your ideas, Shug? Well, I gotta tell you, where did I get this idea? I was sitting in Spalon Montage, the salon in Minnesota, sitting in the chair, getting my hair done. And I asked my stylist, I said, what's a hot topic today for women? Because you all know that women like to talk and we like to share our thoughts and our views and our challenges in the salon. Yes, indeed, those guys are listening, wondering what we talk about. But today's topic was one that was at the top of the list of the things that she shared with me. And it's really about kids today. I mean, the frustrations they have from school shootings to transgender, to what's gonna happen tomorrow, to pandemic, staying home, going to school, not going, staying home. It just, it seems to be a vicious cycle and our kids are having stress and anxiety. They don't know how to deal with it. Moms, this is a whole new territory for us. We don't know how to deal with it a lot of the times too. And so I thought what I would do was bring in a top expert in the field of fear and anxiety. Her name is Jean Holthouse. Thank you, Jean, for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. She uh, is a counselor and she also speaks to large groups about anxiety, about struggles. Uh, and she wrote a book called When Anxiety Roars. And she unpacks the factors that influence anxiety in kids and offers, get this, specific practical steps we can take together to tame the lion of anxiety. And she integrates faith and best practices and coping skills that will help children live more confidently today and into the future. She is listed on Focus on the Family. I know many of you uh, go there, you listen to them on the radio, you go to their website. She's listed on Focus on the Family's counselor list. Her book is also there. And so I really want you guys to pick up her book. It's called When Anxiety Roars, Partnering with Your Child to Tame Worry and Anxiety with Jean Holthouse. Thank you again, Jean, for coming on board. You bet, thank you. Now, friends, you know I'm traveling the country in my RV and I have a chance to talk to a lot of people on the road. And one of the biggest questions they have is about anxiety and fear. And you also wrote a book for adults as well, not just children. What is that book called? That's called Managing Worry and Anxiety, Practical Tips to Help Manage Both Worry and Anxiety. So and that takes it some of those same concepts from a more of an adult angle. Yep, and we're gonna talk about some of those concepts today from children, from a children's perspective. So why did you write this book, Jean? Well, I was a teacher before I was a therapist. And so kids have always been something that matter a lot to me. And as we looked at kind of the managing fear and anxiety for adults, we looked at, you know what? Oftentimes it can have a generational component to it. And we, there really aren't a lot of tools out there for parents that partner faith and best practices together. So looking at how do we kind of make something that could work for them. And that was kind of the thing that sparked this book. Yeah. And, and you currently work at Pine Rest, correctly, pinerest.org. You can find her there, look her up. Tell us what you do with Pine Rest. Um, well, I have been a therapist, so I do clinical work. I'm also a manager and a regional director. So my fingers are in lots of different things. One of the things I really like to be able to do is equip people. So I do a lot of speaking. I kind of think about mental health as kind of being like maintenance for your car. You can either do preventative maintenance where you kind of take care of things as they're coming up, or you can wait until the car is dead beside the side of the road. Either one is gonna cost you something, but that preventative maintenance, you can kind of control when it happens and you can control how it happens. If you wait until it's dead beside the side of the road, it's really costly 
and really inconvenient. And the same thing's true with our mental health. We can either invest in it proactively or we can wait until something's broken. And that's a whole lot more disruptive in our life and oftentimes more costly. So I like being able to get to equip people proactively. You know, I really like that analogy. That's a good one. Um, you know, some parents often ask too, how do I know the difference between this is just normal childhood development or this truly isn't an anxiety issue? Yep. And it's hard to tell the difference because a lot of what's going on for kids is, it looks like it could be either one. And so part of what you look at is the degree of impairment it's creating in their life. So it's normal to have some, like for a test, have some worry about that test and some, some mild anxiety about it. That's actually what prompts you to study for it. If you didn't have any worry about it, you'd never study, right? But if that worry or anxiety is becoming inhibiting to the point that it immobilizes or it means I won't even go to school because I'm afraid, um, then at that point, it's impairing their ability to live. And that's something you need to deal with. So how does a child's normal hormonal biology impact anxiety? Sure. So at different ages and stages, there are different things that are really normal because we're not, we're not born with fully developed brains. If we were, no woman would be able to give birth because that would be a head that would be too large. Right? Um, <laughs> so we're born with partially developed brains and those things are developing over time. And so like a little child, um, like maybe four, five, six years old, they don't know things like what will kill them and what won't. And so the things that they're afraid of may not make rational sense to us because they're afraid of things like the boogeyman under the bed, which is really, really real to them um, because it's an unknown for them. Um, but to us, it's like, okay, that's just not real, right? Versus when you get to more adolescence, they're trying to detach from their parents and figure out how to live on their own. So they're worried about things like um, fear of failure and some of those other things like, can I really be okay in the world? Will I be accepted in the world? And it creates a different set of fears. Um, so we kind of have to look at developmentally over time. There are different things in my book talks about each different category and the things that you would see as normal fears during that category. But the other thing that happens is that particularly as a child begins to approach adolescence and their hormones begin to do all of those major shifts um, the chemicals in your brain can actually get out of, I call it getting out of whack. It's a highly scientific term there, you know, they get out of whack. But um, what happens then is their chemistry gets off in their brain. And then when that chemistry is off, um, it, it triggers our fight, flight, freeze a mechanism that God gave us um, when it doesn't need to be triggered. And so they have larger than life anxieties about things that really only need to make maybe this much anxiety, a tiny bit of anxiety happen. So fight, flight, or freeze, that's a common thing that kids that are hormonal, hormonal, I can't say that word today, uh, might be experiencing. Is that correct? It's something where actually God made us all to experience. It's a part of what creates healthy anxiety. So for an example, for an adult, if I'm driving down the road and a car veers into my lane of traffic, um, it would be normal for my fight, flight, freeze to kick in at that point in time, because the front part of my brain called the prefrontal cortex, the part that thinks through, should I swerve to the left, right? Should I swerve to the left or should I slam on the brakes? If I actually consciously thought through all of those things, the car that's coming at me would have hit me before I make a decision. So God designed this so that that part of my brain goes offline 
And instead, this back part of my brain called the limbic system kicks in and it's just instinctual. It just reacts. And that's great when there's a car in my lane of traffic. Not so great when I'm sitting in school trying to take a test, right? Mm -hmm. That part of my brain, we don't want that going off there. But sometimes it malfunctions and it goes off when it doesn't need to. And that can happen for a lot of different reasons and hormones can be one of it. You know, hormones are, that's a big deal. A lot of it's kids, a, a lot of issues, parents, girls, um, you know, boys go through it as well. Exactly. Uh, it's probably one of the most challenging years. You know, I keep joking with my friends who have brand new babies. I said, man, that's so precious. Wait till they're about 13, 14, 15. <laughs> and we'll yes. keep breaking for them on our knees. Yes. Um, you know, kids think differently and what they think affects their anxiety. What would you respond to that with? That's true of children. That's true of adults as well. Um, but at different stages, kids are also trying to reason through different things about themselves. So like I was talking about before, adolescents are trying to figure out, can I be independent? Can I live effectively as adult? What do I control? Can I do that effectively? Versus if you're younger than that, you're more worried about like, can I trust my parents to be there for me? Can I trust my parents to take care of me? Is the world a safe place? And so different things happen at different times developmentally. And we have to listen to what are those things that kids are asking us questions about or things that they're saying they're afraid of. And that cues us in to what's going on for them. But it can be really easy to dismiss or to just not even ask the question, to assume like they've got nothing to worry about, they're kids, right? And we don't realize what's going on in their head, what they've seen on TV, have to be afraid of like what happens if a, a shooter comes into my school right and we think about them as being safe so we assume they think about themselves as being safe but really they don't always because they're not sure if that can happen out there could that happen to me and this has been accentuated by the pandemic because the pandemic was this scary invisible thing right it's this this disease that's out there somewhere i can't see it hear it feel it touch it or taste it and yet I know that it's making people die, right? And that's been really scary because it's hard to conceptualize if you're a child. And little kids, if they can't see it, hear it, feel it, touch it, or taste it, it's not real to them. So now there's this invisible enemy that they can't get any sense of what it actually is that's really, really scary. And so it's heightened children's anxiety. Um, and it's hard for that to get kind of calmed back down because we like to think the pandemic is over, but it's still here. And sometimes kids are missing from school for a week at a time because somebody in their house has got COVID and they have to test every time they get a cold now, right? And so that's a scary thing. You know, I, I bet you see, you know, a drastic change between uh, when a young person is experiencing anxiety versus a teen or a young adult, um, but they all have friends and friends can really alter or change the way we think. Maybe we get a friend that freaks out really easy. And then of course that tends to rub off on our own children. Can you tell us a little bit about those social environments and how they impact anxiety? You bet. There are that, so we've talked a little bit about how biology influence, influences anxiety. Um, so our social world around us is another place that influences anxiety. And it makes it really important that we are aware of those social pieces that are going on in a child's life. If a child is living in a social world where they feel very safe and they're not feeling like there's a threat that bad things are going to happen to them, 
um, they do much better and they have much less anxiety than if they're in a social environment where maybe they're worried about being bullied when they go to school today or what somebody's going to post about them on social media, which let's face it, a lot of our kids or maybe even all of our kids are having to face some of those things. That makes their world around them feel unsafe, which just kind of heightens their anxiety and they're kind of living on edge, just kind of waiting for the bad thing to happen versus being able to relax and feel like the world around them is a safe place. Um, and unfortunately, our brain is designed so that it can't tell the difference, or maybe fortunately, I don't know. Our brain is designed so that it can't tell the difference between when I view something on media of some sort and when it's actually happening to me. Oh, really? So the fact that we have so much media now. So if my child watches the reel of a school shooting or the reel of something, um, a burglary or something like that, their brain reacts as though it were happening to them. And so that also becomes part of that social world then for them. And so we may think they're watching uh, the news and it's having no impact on them, but it's raising their anxiety level. So we have to kind of monitor those things and make sure we're limiting their exposure. We don't want them to be uninformed people, but if you think about the news, it plays on a reel and you see the same thing over and over again and their brains then experience it as though it's happening to them over and over again. And the same is true for us as adults too. So we can apply those same principles to us and what we're exposing ourselves to. So really, when you think about today's world, we are living in trauma all the time, you know, between the TV shows and the news and what's happening in real life, mm -hmm. school shootings, you know, even when they have to do the, uh, my brother, who's a teacher and his wife had to go through steps with their kids. You know, when we were little, it was steps for tornadoes. Now they're going through steps, what to do with school shootings. Um, and, and they have these trials and that would be really traumatic on kids. Um, you know, uh, my thought also is if they're exposed to this anxiety or this trauma so much, can they just become numb to it where, um, you know, basically their brain doesn't react anymore? It's not so much that their brain doesn't react, but that they're living at this new level of anxiety and they see it as the new norm. So where maybe normal is kind of down here, they're now living kind of notched up all the time and they don't even know what calm or relaxed feels like because their body is consistently on edge and waiting for something bad to happen. They're living in fight, flight, freeze instead of having their brain move there for a little bit and then come back from it. You know, as a mom, uh, what I try to do with children is if they're freaking out or they've got an issue or they've got a struggle and they're on the phone and they're talking with me, I feel like I want to jump in that same struggle with them or I want to fix it or I want to hurry up and let's change the subject, you know, because I don't want my baby to be hurt. But what really I have found so effective is to pray with them at that moment to give it to God. So share with us a little bit. How does God impact anxiety in kids? That is such an important piece of it that we can, can that we as Christians can incorporate that the rest of the world doesn't have. And it, the important part is it we is is to remember that it's not just knowing things about God because we can teach our kids a lot of things about God, but that doesn't give them experiences of God. And prayer is one of those places where they can have an experience of God, where they can actually interact with Him in ways that bring peace and calm. And the really cool thing that God did, because he knows that kids can only, they can't see it, hear it, feel it, touch it, or taste it. It's not real. He created us with an imagination. And for kids, having them, I call it safe place prayer in the book, 
having them imagine the safest place in the world. And as a, as a parent, you're praying with them about this and having God create that picture of the safest place in the world and then having them invite God to be present with them in that place and having him kind of protect them from whatever the scary thing is gives them that experience of God that helps to counter the anxiety. Because when God comes into the picture, there's usually a calm that comes with it. Like he's the safe place. He's the safest place. And we begin to teach them that and let them encounter it. It's really fun to watch what happens for kids when that happens. Because they're used to saying like the prayer that you pray at supper, right? The grace. And that doesn't actually encounter God. But when they actually have that experience of encountering him, and as a parent, you want to be watching to make sure that all stays within what's biblical, right? That nothing weird starts to happen in that because, you know, Satan can try to mess in all of that as well, but it can be such a powerful place. And then that's a tool they've got that they can take with them because now they have that picture of a safe place and they know how to invite God to be with them in it, even when you're not there. So that's a wonderful tool you can teach children. Those are excellent tools. It kind of reminds me of the scripture that says, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Yeah. And, and oftentimes what I do and what I hope I taught my own children is that lay your problems at the feet of the cross. Yeah. Say yeah. them out loud. Have a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Share what uh, and who he is, his promises. Read scripture to your kids to give them that peace. And then that leads to the next question. How do you know, Jean, if this is spiritual warfare from the enemy or truly hormonal uh, uh, anxious anxieties that they're experiencing? Because, you know, there's a fine line between uh, Satan and, and what might be our, our biological impact in our life. Think, you don't think about it as separate things. It's yes and, right? If I have any other physical illness, I don't think about it as solely spiritual, but I also don't cut the spiritual off and just do the physical. So when we think about anxiety, we have to think about it as there's biology. If the chemicals in your brain are out of whack, you're probably going to need some help getting that fixed. There's the way we think, there's the psychology. Like, do I see myself as a basically competent individual and the world is a basically safe place? So how do I think about myself and the world around me? There's my social environment, like what's influencing me in that realm. And there's my spiritual life. And we don't do any one piece to the exclusion of the rest of them. We wanna do that whole round of things. So as a parent, you're looking at biology, take them to the doctor, make sure there's not something going on because there are lots of things that can create that same anxious thing that have nothing to do with anxiety. So take them to a pediatrician, get it looked at, then look at what's going on in their social world, what's going on in their thought process and pray over them. You as the parent have the power to pray protection over your child and teach them to do that. Um, so that they can kind of go, no, wait a minute. God's bigger than Satan and God's in control here. He's bigger than me. He's got this. And, you know, that's such a huge, powerful thing. And the power of the name of Jesus Christ, we can cast out um, anything in our lives. He tells us this, you know, and a, a very common scripture that you hear often is, you know, to give your anxiety to God. Do not be anxious about anything, but in all things through prayer and supplications, present your request to the Lord. 
um, and just lay them out, friends. And when you give it to him, then I want you to walk away and train yourself that I have peace, peace beyond understanding from the Lord only. And when we walk away and then regrab our problems, are we really trusting him in faith? Now, that doesn't mean we're a doormat and we don't do anything about it or take any action because we do. And as moms, indeed, we should. Uh, but if there's a burden on your heart for your child, you should really be praying that burden uh, because that's what God has put on your heart. And, you know, we don't even understand the spiritual warfare, that thin veil that maybe mom or dad or family members or teachers can pray this up. And that's why I loved the title of this book. If you're just tuning in, we're talking to Jean Holthouse, and she wrote a wonderful book called When Anxiety Roars, Partnering with Your Child to Tame Worry and Anxiety. Uh, she also has a second book as well that's called Managing Worry and Anxiety for Adults. Um, either one, absolutely wonderful. If you need to find her, go to PineRest, P-I-N-E-R-E-S-T dot org. You can find her there and communicate with her as well. So we've talked about a lot of the problems, Jean, and how these can come up and how socially, biologically, uh, these things can be impacted in your child's life. But how can you personally partner with your child? Mm -hmm. in this struggle yeah it's so essential that you form the kind of that sense of you're a team and anxiety is out there and as a parent it can be really easy to not separate your child from the anxiety and then they see that as them and they begin to define themselves by the anxiety but anxiety is something that is the problem it's like the football that we're going to kick around in the middle and so we got to be a team to figure out what to do with anxiety which means that we got to validate our kids when they're feeling that our tendency is to go, oh, no, it's not that big of a deal because it doesn't look like a big deal to us. It seems like something fairly insignificant or because like you said, we don't want our kids to hurt. And so if we make light of it, we make it small, then we don't have to deal with, oh, this child is really, really anxious. But if we can go, wow, that sounds like it's really awful for you. Tell me more. And we can kind of hear where they are and validate, oh, I can see how that would feel really, really bad to you. You're not saying you agree, but you're saying, I get how you feel. And they need to feel gotten. If you think about it, we don't, if we're, if we're having a fight with our spouse, we're really not all that willing to move our position until we feel like our spouse gets us where exactly where we are. And the same is true for our kids, right? Until they feel like we get and we understand how bad this is for them, they're going to see us as somebody that is not on their team. But once they like, oh, my mom or dad gets this, then we can begin to look together at some steps we can take about what to do about it. You know, I've done a show on marriage and men and um, God, why did you make men this way? It was kind of a fun show, but you know, men tend to always want to just fix it. So what about um, the issues that you talk about in your book, um, which I really thought were great, is that you talk about taming, because of course we're talking about anxiety as a lion, like roaring, but you talk about taming the anxiety, taming the thoughts, taming the feelings and the behaviors. Um, and then you also share about how to move forward. Friends, really pick up this book. And if you can't find it online, go to our website, um, at himforher.org, H-I-M, number four, her.org. And you can see a link that we'll have there that will take you directly to her book and directly to Jean Holthouse. So you can learn even more about what she's doing with anxiety and stress in children and in adults. 
Um, find us on YouTube, rewatch this, play this for your spouse. Uh, Women's Hot Topics with Shugbury is on YouTube. Uh, this is really crucial information because a lot of times, if we don't learn how to tame this anxiety, possibly, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, a child could try to take their life because they can't deal with the anxiety and the stresses that they're dealing with. Can you share a little bit about the taming part of it um, to help some parents get, just get some tools in their hands now before they get your book? Sure. I think the biggest things are looking at, okay, I got to manage the things that are going on in their social world. So I want to be careful that I'm not putting pressure on them to be in everything or to do everything. We tend to overstructure our kids and demand too much of us. So we can do things even as simple as having a consistent bedtime and a consistent getting up time and a consistent time when I'm going to get to actually interact with my parents and they're going to be like focused in on me. Those things help kids to feel like their life is predictable and more manageable. Um, like I said before, making sure you take them to the doctor, get it checked out. And then there are lots of things you can do to begin to challenge some of the, the thinking that we have that actually creates anxiety. Looking at, is that a fact or a feeling can be one of the key things you can do because oftentimes we turn feelings like I'm, a, I'm gonna mess up. Well, that's a feeling, that's not a fact, right? So what's the evidence say? and kind of looking for the kind of becoming a detective and unearthing some of the evidence can help them to go, oh, my feeling doesn't make it so. Um, so all of, and then the prayer that I was talking about with your children, those are like practical things that get you started, but you have to know like, you're not gonna be able to do all of this necessarily by yourself. You may need a therapist that helps to do some of that retraining of the thought processes. You may need a doctor that helps with some of the medical pieces that go with it. And then you may need a pastor that helps with some of the prayer pieces too. It's okay to put lots of different people around you and around your child because it's a team effort. It's not a, this is not a game you play on your own. Yes. And it's really important to keep searching until you find the right answers. Yes. You know, go to focus on the family where Jean is listed as well. Find uh, counselors, find help, get her book. Uh, discover, you know, what God has. And, you know, I think the most important thing is you get on your knees, parents, and you just lift that child up to God and say, I need help. It's no fancy wording. I need help. And how do I identify the anxiety? How do I walk alongside my children? And how can we tame this terrible line of anxiety in my child's life in an upside down world where right is wrong and wrong is right? Oh, Lord, God, come quickly. I mean, he's an almighty God. And as a parent, we have a stewardship to our children that God has given us. And now we have some of the resources for this. I really like the fact that you end your book with moving forward, Jean. What to do from this point forward. What suggestions would you have for our listeners as we close as to how they should move forward? I would say pick one thing to work on and, and practice that one thing over time. Because the thing we tend to do is try to do it all. So if there's one thing I said today that stood out to you, it's like, oh, we should try that. Pick that one thing and do it for at least a month before you try the next thing. And if it's not working, don't be afraid to ask for help. Your job is to partner with your child. Other people sometimes can say stuff to them that you can't say. I mean, I'm a therapist. I was never my kid's best therapist though. Sometimes my kids needed to hear some from somebody else, the exact same thing I would have said to them, but they did it because somebody else said it. And I could just be along for the ride encouraging them. 
you know, it's amazing, isn't it? Those are, those are school of hard knocks that we all learn as mothers and dads as well. And you guys, thank you for tuning in. And again, Jean Holthouse, I can't thank you enough for your wisdom, your discernment, your book called When Anxiety Roars, Partnering with Your Child and to Tame the Anxiety. And so um, please find her other book as well called Managing Worry and Anxiety for you adults that need some help too, because we've got, we've got anxious thoughts as we are worried about our kids. It's kind of a vicious cycle as well. Please feel free, like she said, to reach out for help. Please go to our website, himforher.org. Find the resources there. We'll link you directly with what you need as well. Um, and you guys, I am just praying for you. If I could pray real quick, that would be great. Father God, we come before you in the power, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that there is nothing that is impossible for us, for even God raised a dead man from the grave. And he tells us that we could do that as well in faith. We can move a mountain with the size of a mustard seed of faith. And so, Father, if there's a woman or a man listening to this right now, and they're at their wit's end, they don't know what to do about their baby kids, and the anxiety is overwhelming, oh, Father God, guide them direct them, give them wisdom and discernment, have them go to this book and be able to read it and glean some of the wisdom that you have given in it from Jean as well. And Father God, most of all, may we glorify your name in everything we do. Would we point to you always as we guide our children to lean into you, Lord, when these difficulties arise. And Jesus, you have said that, you know, we're going to have trouble in this world, but you will be with us in it. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for this platform you have given us, Women's Hot Topics with Shugbury. Thank you very much, Jean, and I hope you come back again. Thank you for having me, and I would love to come back again. Good. Thank you, everybody. Love you tons. This is Shugbury, over and out. <laughs>